Space Shuttle, this is Flight Safety. This podcast may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Please keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle while in motion. You are clear for launch. The following paragraphs are from Chapter 5 of a fanfiction story titled Blooms Among the Dead by today's guest fanfiction writer T.W.D. Obsessive. As Daryl got closer, Rick smiled. Hey, Daryl. Nice day for once, huh? The mechanic grunted his old standby response. Just, uh, had an extra sandwich. Thought maybe you might want it. Just PB&J. He pushed his hand forward awkwardly with the sandwiches, and Rick took the top one. Then Daryl held out the other hand with two sodas, and Rick accepted one of those as well. Thank you. It's nice of you. Daryl shrugged. Accidentally made one for my idiot brother out of habit. Rick's eyes glimmered in sympathy and he tilted his head. Yeah, that kind of stuff happens for me sometimes still too. Daryl nodded and walked to his home away from home a few rows away. He sat Indian style on the ground and opened his root beer. Got a letter in the mail says you got unpaid parking tickets. Set it on fire for you. Marl answered with a breeze and a twirling leaf, the first real sign of autumn. Daryl picked up the leaf and crumbled it in his hand as he chewed. Made you a goddamn sandwich on accident. Gave it to that guy over there. Don't really know why. The cemetery was a little busier than normal since the weather finally cleared. Pink pillbox was back, and there was a new plot being dug about 50 yards away. It is so fucking quiet. You got any idea how much you ran your damn mouth when you were alive? All the fucking time, man. Never got a minute's peace. You talked about your latest lay, bitching about the price of cigarettes, talking shit about Tony or Darren or Vern. I'll have you notice ain't none of them friends of yours been here once. They all run for the hills after you overdid it with all that shit. That shit I told you was going to be the death of you. After a few moments of silence, Daryl lowered his voice. Getting drunk and talking about Dad, what you'd have done to him if he hadn't drank himself to death. The mechanic swallowed the last of his sandwich and chased it with root beer. Merle, did you know what you were doing, man? You just get sick of it here and leave me on purpose? Sick of worrying about money? Hating on yourself about Dad? Mad at yourself because you try to raise me better and I'm nothing but a basket case, don't talk to no one? Counted on you too much to be my only friend. Because I tried to be a good brother, and and there it was. The storm Daryl had been anticipating would hit sooner or later. Tears, fat and steady, rolled down his cheeks, and he sobbed hard as buckets of snot made it harder to breathe. He gasped through his tears and got out his handkerchief to blow. Up until this point, he'd been stoic. Crying was frowned upon in the Dixon family. Merle sure as shit wouldn't have wanted it. Daryl hadn't shed tears since they were beaten out of him as a child. The abuse from his father only got worse when his tears fell. The mechanic could clearly remember an incident when his father had one thick, rough hand against Daryl's tiny neck, pressing him down over the kitchen table, whipping even harder with his belt, shouting that crying was for pussies and Daryl needed to learn how to be a man. He'd been nine. Nine and a half, maybe. And that particular beating continued until his tears stopped. Some of his worst scars were from that night. It wasn't the last time he'd cried, but it was one of the last. 
That was around the time he'd started to learn how to disappear, to let his body take the stings while his mind went somewhere else. He wiped at his eyes and tried to pull himself together. He'd never seen Morrow cry, not even during a beating. Not when their mother died. Never. It was one of the few ways that Daryl wished he was more like his brother, emotionally stronger. Rick enjoyed the sandwich. It wasn't a casserole, and it wasn't McDonald's. It was like Goldilocks. Just right. He hadn't drank root beer since he was Carl's age, and he wasn't sure why. It was really good. As he stood to leave, his first few steps took him towards the grieving brother and maker of sandwiches. But he noticed the shaking shoulders and heard the occasional escaped sob. It was one of those kinds of visits. Rick knew them well. His heart ached in sympathy as he turned towards the parking lot. He'd thank Daryl for the sandwich next time. To the north, south, east, and west, four corners of the world. Greetings from the wild, arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Our special guest fanfiction writer today is TWD Obsessive. She's been a member of AO3 since 2015 and currently has 221 fanfiction works posted there for fandoms like the MCU and The Walking Dead. Hell yeah! TWD has a bachelor's degree in rhetoric and writing with a double minor in philosophy and psychology. TWD, welcome to the Fanfic Maverick podcast. How you doing? Hi, Chaos. I'm doing good. It's good to be here. I am so freaking excited (laughs) that you are here. You have no idea. I think we should tell the people. The story? The story just a little bit because, and this will probably come up later too, but the TLDL (laughs) (laughs) is that I have been a Walking Dead fan for a long time, ever since the show came out. But I recently decided to do a whole series rewatch starting back in January. Uh, And of course, that meant that I like dove headfirst into the Walking Dead fan fiction scene again. So I read like tons and tons and tons of stories. And you were the writer that stood out to me the most. Like, I love your stuff. Um, You're so prolific. It's just so good. And I remember thinking in my brain, man, I'm having such a fun time, like reading fan fiction for The Walking Dead and doing the rewatch. I wish I could talk about it. But, you know, we were kind of all scheduled out this year. And I thought, ah. And then one day, (laughs) like a month ago, I get this random ask in my Tumblr box for the podcast Tumblr page. And it's from you, TWD Obsessive. When I read your name, I died. Oh, my God. Unalived, right? <laughs> like, I could not believe it. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? The writer I'm so obsessed with in The Walking Dead is in my inbox. I could not believe it. So it was like fate. It was fate that you found me because you found me all by yourself. Yeah. I did. I did. I'm, I was just uh, sort of tripping myself into supernatural fandom and I was trying to find anything I could get my hands on. And I found your podcast and heard a couple um, of your interviews with supernatural people. And then that's why I dropped my ask in there. I was like, hey, how does this all work? And, you know, 
there any way I can sort of find different fandoms? Because I hadn't seen anything. I couldn't find anything that was Walking Dead on there. But yeah, when you emailed back, I was like fangirling. Oh my God, this famous podcaster just responded to my message. (laughs) (laughs) It was so cool all around. It was like the best two days of my whole like year. It was so great. I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it because, you know, when you think about it, I looked at the stats the other day. All right. And the stats on AO3 show over 5.6 million users right now on the AO3 website. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. So I cannot believe that the one writer that I've been particularly obsessing over this year just happened to find me out of 5.6 million people. That is crazy. And for me to talk to you and you know who I was out of that many people, I mean, you <laughs> have to imagine, I was like flabbergasting myself. <laughs> I know. Because there are that many. And I didn't even think you knew anything about the Walking Dead fandom because I just hadn't heard any of the episodes with it yet. So yeah, just unbelievable. It was quite a, it was quite a meat story. It was a meat cute. <laughs> yes, it was. It was totally a meat cute. It was my favorite meat cute story of my whole life. This is so fantastic. <laughs> And I'm so, so glad that you are here today because I have been wanting to talk about The Walking Dead for a while. There are lots of fandoms probably in the back of my brain that we just haven't gotten to yet and we will. So that's good. But I'm so thrilled that you get to be the one to represent The Walking Dead today because this really is a fandom like dear to my heart. (laughs) Mine too, obviously. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Oh, and then last little thing that people... I don't know, will probably like kick me in the ass for. But you know how I did that whole rewatch, right? Starting in January. Anyone who doesn't know anything about The Walking Dead, one thing that you should know is it takes place in the South. And so most of the characters have a Southern tilt, a Southern accent. They have a little twang. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So if you listen carefully to some of my episodes starting at a certain point this year, you will notice that I sort of have a little bit of a southern twang in my speech (laughs) and it goes several episodes long and I noticed it when I went back to edit them and I'm like what the hell is this so y'all can make fun of me kick my ass for it like whatever it's fine and you just said (laughs) y'all yeah yeah y'all you know like I'm well aware I have a problem a little bit if I hear an accent for a prolonged period of time especially southern it just kind of comes out. I get that. Yeah, I don't know if anyone noticed that, but I did. And I was like, holy crap. So we can blame The Walking Dead for that. There you go. But anyway, we're here to talk about about you. You have one of the coolest like fan fiction stories, like origin <laughs> stories that I've ever heard. And I'm so excited for you to tell us. So go ahead and let's start there. Tell us about how you first discovered fan fiction. I want to know exactly how that happened and exactly what thoughts were running through your head at the time. Okay, so there I was minding my own business, (laughs) watching some episodes of The Walking Dead, and I was just absolutely fascinated by this relationship between Rick and Daryl. I'd never seen a connection so intense between two male characters before, and it just really stood out to me. So probably about, I want to say seasons three, four, and five is right when things were, you know, the good stuff. That was the really good stuff. And there was an episode where, you'll probably know this because you just rewatched, where the big group, it was about 10 of them, were starving and thirsty and wandering and all about ready to give up and die. And a storm comes and they go into a barn and Rick and Daryl and everybody else 
hold the doors shut to keep the walkers from coming in. The barn scene. Oh, it's so intense. Oh, the my God. The barn scene is one of the best of the entire show. And Rick and Daryl just give each other this look. And I'm like, they have been giving each other this like look. And they speak to each other. Like, they can have an entire conversation just with their eyes. And it is, like, amazing. So, you know, then, uh, you know, that was a... I can't remember. It was in March of 2015. And then a couple episodes later, on March 15th of 2015, not that I know the exact date or anything, there was an episode and it did not have Rick or Daryl in it at all. And I was like, well, this sucks. A whole week wasted. So I hate when I do that. I know. So I Googled Rick and Daryl thinking, for science, I need to see more pictures of these guys, like, <laughs> looking at each other, right? So for I, science, yes! For science! <laughs> so I Google it, and I'm expecting to find all these pictures, and this little thing called AO3 pops up on my screen. And um, please note, I was 42 years old at the time. I had never heard of fan fiction in my life. It never once dawned on me that people would watch TV or movies or any of this stuff and think, oh, I would like to write about those characters. I'm going to go ahead and just write something down. Never dawned on me. So I just remember standing by my sliding glass door behind my recliner on March 15th after the episode of The Walking Dead going, oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. And I mean, it was just mind blowing for me. I mean, I think March 15th, I discovered it. Read my first fic that night. Two days later, on the 17th, I joined AO3. And two days later, on the 19th, I wrote my first fic. So, I mean, I dived in. I absolutely dived in. You wrote your first fic within a week? Yes. I mean, it wasn't good or long. But, I mean, I was like, I got to jump into this thing. This is a thing. I can... (laughs) Oh, my God. That was my story. It was mind-blowing. That's the best thing I can say. I love that you remember the exact date. I love <laughs> that you will never forget. Like, oh, you know, it March was probably 15. like 1030 at night because it was like after the episode aired. <laughs> oh, my God. OK, so when you clicked into the site, did you know what to expect when you clicked on that site and something popped up? Did you know what you were clicking into? No, I mean, I knew like I read enough to be like, OK, this is a story about these guys that the writers of The Walking Dead did not write. Like, I kind of knew that going in just from, like, seeing what popped up. But I guess I must have clicked on whatever story it was that came up first. And, you know, I started reading a couple stories and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is such an awesome idea. And then I started reading some of the really good stories, if you know what I mean. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. My mind was blown. (laughs) Jesus. I love that. So, so much. Do you remember at all what the first story was about? I wish, wish, wish I could remember it. I I have a vague memory and I wish I could give a shout out to the author, but it was quite a long time ago. And I just remember it was Rick and Daryl near a lake having a conversation and it was something just real simple like that. But I, you know, someone who's never read fan fiction had no idea. I was like, oh my God, look what you can do. And then, you know, it was just reading one thing after another and being like, oh my God, you can do that. Oh my God, we can talk about this. Oh my goodness. Somebody wrote this. I wonder if I could do that. I want to give that a shot. (laughs) You know, so it was just, I haven't looked back since. I mean, it's been the huge part of my life since that very moment. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. And you know what? I love that your first fan fiction was some random story about them at a lake just having a conversation because I marvel all the time at the vast 
I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, just how different fan fiction can be, right? It's not just one thing. You can literally make a story about anything, and it doesn't have to be complicated or plotty. Sometimes it's just a one-shot about two characters at a lake having a conversation. And I'm sure that, especially in the headspace you were in at the time, missing your weekly fix of Rick and Daryl, because Walking Dead does love to do that. They'll do these whole episodes where your favorite character's not in it and you want to throw something at your TV because you're just like, this is not cool. And then to like pop into that Ugh. all of a sudden and be like, oh my God. I know. I was like, you know what? If they never share screen time again, ever again, I found somewhere to live. I'm going to live right here in AO3. <laughs> So correct me if I'm wrong, but you had never heard the word fan fiction before? I had never heard the word fan fiction before. Oh ever. God. Ever. I had no idea it was a thing. It was like the best Christmas gift ever. <laughs> Did you find yourself after that point like obsessively reading fan fiction every spare moment that you Oh got? my gosh, yes. Yes. I didn't do anything except have my cell phone to my nose like constantly. <laughs> I mean, I was reading it at work and then oh eventually I was like I'd have my lunch break and I'd be writing it stuff on my cell phone at work. And I mean, it's like the drive between work and home was like, oh, my God, this is such a wasted time. I could be writing. I could be reading. I'm sitting in a stupid car. Yes. All of a sudden, you're just like, this is my new life now. Yeah, it was like in a minute it became my new life. And here it is like what, nine years later or whatever it is. And it's still my main life. I think that that is so cool. That's so cool. And I love, I feel like your story is in some ways a little bit different than a lot of people's. We were talking before recording about how a lot of us ended up discovering fan fiction for the first time in our teen years. Some of us discovered it even earlier than that. Like I've talked to people who were like, I was in middle school, you know, and stuff like that. And that's great. That's cool. But there are so many people out there who have no idea that it exists. And if they did... You know, can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, I can, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And it is. I wish I could. I wish there was a way you could get the word out, you know, and be like, you know, if anybody's out there who would like this kind of thing, it exists and you can go find it. And, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I'm so curious. Um, how would I put this? I'm so curious about the way that you normally interact or interacted with things that you fell in love with before discovering fan fiction. Because the thing that I've found with fan fiction, and this is not a secret, we all know this instinctually, but it seems like there are different kinds of people who interact with media. There's the type that interacts with it and they'll just watch it and consume it and be like, that was so fun. Cool. And then they'll go about their life and maybe never think about it again. They don't spend a lot of time (laughs) outside of watching the show or the movie or whatever, thinking about the characters or wondering about this or that. It's just kind of an experience in the moment, you know? Uh uh I have a sister like that. I've got some brothers like that. No judgment, right? (laughs) And then there are those of us that, like, fall in love, I guess, right? Yeah. And we just think obsessively about the characters and the world and the story and the canon, and then we start like sometimes daydreaming about different scenarios and things like that. I identify with all of that. <laughs> Do you feel like you were always that person that kind of interacted with media that way? You know what? Props to Andrew Lincoln and Norman Reedus and their acting skills and the characters that those writers put together because 
No, I don't. I, or I just don't remember because my whole life changed after March 15th, 2015. I don't remember being this obsessed. And it was just that development of those two characters that enthralled me so much that I found myself thinking about it constantly. And, you know, I, I would stumble upon pictures of the cast in general and I would Google Walking Dead and see the cast in general. But once I literally just typed the words Rick and Daryl, I didn't even say Rick Grimes and Daryl Dixon. I just said Rick and Daryl and I, you know, <laughs> hit enter. And so, yeah, no, I, I don't recall or else my life has changed so much that I just don't remember ever being this obsessed about anything before. And, you know, I picked my name out of the clear blue quickly and it kind of really says it all <laughs> because <laughs> to this day, I am still obsessed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I love that, though. I love that because it's such a different experience when you're uh, interacting with something that you love to that level, you know, whereas like before, maybe it wasn't such an obsessive thing and then it becomes this obsessive thing. So I was just, yeah, I was wondering if you had ever had that experience before, but it kind of sounds like The Walking Dead was this, I don't know, special exception. Epiphany. It was like an epiphany, yes. I guess. Well, your point is so valid, though, because I, too noticed and I we're not the only ones like there are people out there on the internet screaming about this still all these years later but you are correct that the chemistry that those two actors had and the way that they allowed that chemistry to play out on the screen we were talking before about how there are these camera angles where they just focus on the characters faces not saying anything yeah they're just looking at each other communicating with their eyeballs they have lengthy conversations with nothing but a glance. And that was just, that did it for me. That did it for me. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> at least you think, right? You know that that was intentional by somebody who yeah. was producing this, right? Yeah. So um... that, that relationship, <laughs> I don't care how canon or not canon anyone believes it to be. That relationship is the most intense, I think, of any other relationship on that show. And the most intense relationship I've seen portrayed in a, you know, any kind of movie or television show ever. And I mean, I'm obsessed with The Walking Dead. So I don't know if you can count that as, you know, something to, you know, to take seriously or not from me, because of course I'm going to say that. But <laughs> yeah, no, no, you were not the only one that noticed that. I noticed it like right away and was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? What? It reminded me of rewatching Star Trek, the original series. I went back and rewatched that back in 2015, I think. And, uh, you know, I grew up on the original series, right? But when you're a kid watching those, you don't necessarily... You don't think about it the same way. Yeah, you don't think about the same things. And so I was in my 30s in 2015, and I was like, I'm going to rewatch this. I rewatched it and could not fucking believe... <laughs> What I was seeing on the screen, because it's the same concept. Even back then, they were doing these long camera shots between Kirk and Spock, and they're just having these conversations on screen without saying a word to each other. And you're you're sitting there and you're watching this happen. And it's not just one episode. It's like all of them, yeah. you know, and you're going, OK, this was so deliberate by somebody like I don't know who made this executive decision. But this was deliberate. <laughs> and I'm not going to go off on a supernatural tangent because I'm super into that right now. But that goes too for uh, Destiel, for Dean and Cass. I mean, the way they would look at each other. And, you know, that's just 
somebody had that in the back of their head, like you said, it with the Star Trek and Walking Dead and Supernatural. I'm sure dozens of other combinations of people. There had to be at least one person involved that was like, you know, I'm going to play it like this or I'm going to write it like this and just see what happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, people out there who produce things for us to watch, I always feel like that's a great idea. It's a great thing to do because look at the fan base, the dedicated fan base that you're going to get from something like that. You have no idea. So just you know, word of advice, I guess, to anyone out there who's thinking about incorporating that into your next project. Uh, I highly encourage it. <laughs> I great. would agree. I second that motion. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it kind of sounds like Walking Dead was your first online fandom experience or maybe even your first fandom experience, period. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What was that like to be in like a fandom for the very first time? You know, it was overwhelming almost because you know once once I started writing you know I would get the commenters and it would be you know I I still to this day know commenters names you know like they might get excited to see my name as a writer I get excited to see their name as a as a reader because I'm like oh my gosh this person read you know so many of my stories and they always comment and say nice things and you know just to have that interaction was like a whole new social aspect to life. You know what I mean? To have this interaction with people who have that same obsession or that same interest. You know, at the peak of Walking Dead, when it was really hot, like, you know, seasons three, four, five, around then, there were discussion groups and chat rooms, and I was intimately involved in all of them. So I was meeting people from, you know, meeting people virtually from all over the world, you know, that we're sharing this obsession and to have something that you're so obsessed about and be able to talk about it with these people that I met and discovered online was absolutely amazing. Because, you know, the, the first bit of time I was just like writing and reading and I was, you know, I tell my husband this awesome stuff I just found, but you know, what does he care? He doesn't want to hear about it. Um, you mean he didn't want to hear your treatise on Rick and Daryl? What? <laughs> Oh, he's heard it, believe me, but he didn't need to be obsessed about it. <laughs> You're like, sit down for the next three hours. My TED Talk will be about <laughs> TED Talk. Rick and Dale. Yeah. Screenshots and, yeah, 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 and yeah. slideshows. I actually, and it's funny you should say that because a very good friend of mine, TWD fan 33, she went through Walking Dead with me. She's my own real life friend that I had before doing this that I dragged into it with me. And, um, I made a slideshow, a PowerPoint presentation to convince her to watch Supernatural with me. <laughs> and it literally, it was, it was a presentation. I prepared it like I was at work. Uh, we went to a restaurant. I pulled up my laptop. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. That's such a fandom thing to do. And I love Isn't that. <laughs> I bet you I'm not the only person who's done that. <laughs> Did you have like the call to action at the end? Like, will oh, yeah. you... Yeah. Watch Supernatural with me. I gave her options. I was like, it's 15 <laughs> seasons. So here's what I recommend. Either A, watch all 15 seasons. B, watch season one so you get the gist and then go immediately to season four so you can get the cast, Castiel. You know what I mean? Or tell me you don't want to watch it and just read all the fan fiction with me. And so I gave her options. She's watching the whole thing. So it's all good. <laughs> oh, well, that was so generous of you to give her the option not to watch Supernatural and just read the fan fiction. I pretty much nice. knew she wasn't going to pick that one because <laughs> 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 we, we have a lot in common. I was pretty sure that was just, uh, you know, 
I love that because it just sounds like your first fandom experience was this amazing, wonderful thing. And now you know, you know what's out there, you know what it's like. And you're just like, I'm ready. I'm ready to dive into others and be just as obsessed and in love with whatever else is out there. I love that. I did think it was all over once Walking Dead kind of faded away and, you know, it got to a certain number of seasons where it was focused too much on all the billions of other characters that we didn't care about. And like the core group was sort of watered down or whatever. And I was starting to think, you know, my world is over. My, my fan fiction writing world is it's over. And what am I going to do with my life now? And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And one of the girls I met through fandom that is a very good friend of mine, LOTR58, yes. told me, do you recognize her name? Oh, yes. I have heard from her. She's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. She convinced me. She said, there's other stuff out there. There's other stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there's other stuff, but there's not this. There's not Rickle. Well, man, you could just hang tight and you'll find something else because (laughs) there is something else that you will get into. So if anybody has been in that spot like I was in where your main OTP is like kind of the whole fandom is petering out on it. Don't worry. Hang tight. Keep reading some fix until you stumble upon something that makes a connection and or watch TV until something clicks. And, you know, because I found it in Destiel just as another side note. But we're talking about Walking Dead today and I don't want to keep going off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so glad that you said that, though. I'm so glad because I love how you've kind of had this whole experience from beginning to end. You know, you got to experience the fandom at its heyday. And then you also got to experience when it sort of faded out a little bit. Not that it's gone or dead or anything, no pun intended, but, um, <laughs> but you know, that's kind of a natural, you know, the natural fandom cycle, right? Like, that's just what happens. So you did get to experience all of those phases. And that was such great advice that your friend gave to you, because it's true, at least in my experience, sometimes it does take a little while to fall in love again. It took yeah. me a while. She she uh, welcomed me into Marvel and Loki, and I played with that a little bit, you know, but it didn't have the same, like, pack the same punch that Rickle did. And I finally found something that kind of has, although Rickle will always, always be my one true love. <laughs> yes, yes. And I love that. I love that it's always there in the back of your mind. That's kind of how I operate, too. I'm I'm such a nomad. I just kind of wander around like a grumbly wizard wherever (laughs) I want to go. But once I love a fandom, it's always with me. I will never not love it. And I'll I'll go back to it often, you know, like every couple of years, I'll be like, you know what? I really feel like X, Y, Z. And I'll just go back and get obsessed with it again. And it's a lot of fun. So, oh, you know, this random question that occurred to me (laughs) as you were talking about your husband, it kind of... (laughs) Like, it made me curious because I know that those of us, right, who are obsessed with fan fiction and fandom, um, sometimes we happen to be the only one in our real life social circles or our families or whatever that are into this kind of thing. It, it makes me wonder, like, did the the people in your real life around you, did they notice changes? Did they notice differences as you were getting into this new hobby and everything? I'm just kind of curious what their perspective was when they saw you kind of jump Excellent in. Excellent question. <laughs> Excellent question. My husband just gets a kick out of any time I'm excited about something. So he was, you know, completely, uh, oh, that's great. You know, it's fantastic for you. And I, I would talk about how obsessed I was with the show with other people. And usually it's just like, oh, yeah, it's a good show. And I'm like, it's a good show. That's all you have to say. That's like, 
That's like the dumbest answer I've ever heard in my life. Insufficient. <laughs> yeah, right? Insufficient. Exactly. Um, and, you know, and then I remember there was one friend I, I mentioned, oh my gosh, I discovered this thing. It's called, you know, fan fiction. And she must have heard of it. And she was like, oh, that's a bunch of weirdos. That's weird. And I was just like, well, I'm not going to talk to her about it anymore. So, you know, and then I started getting like self-conscious about it. And one of my very best friends at TWD Fan 33, I had convinced her to watch The Walking Dead. I'm like, it's not just a zombie show. It's about people. You have to watch it. And then once I discovered the fan fiction, I'm like, I got to talk to someone about this. You know, it's before I fell into the chat rooms and everything. I was like, I have got to talk to someone. And I'm like, she's going to be the one. So I like slipped into her office one day and I was like, you know how we watch The Walking Dead? I said, there's something I got to tell you that exists. And I told her about it and her eyes just glazed over and she's like, yes, I need to have that. So, I mean, to this day, to this day, we get together. I'm going out with her tomorrow and we're having book club. We call it book club all the time because we'll read, uh, you know, all these fan fictions and then we'll sit down and talk about them. What? constantly what? so oh my yeah God. so she was my she was my one person in real life who actually knows who I am and knows what I do and I haven't told anybody else about it they know I like the show but that's about it that is some grade a proselytizing <laughs> right there I am so impressed I am so impressed by that that thank is you, thank you. <laughs> so amazing converting somebody at work to the church of fan fiction <laughs> It, it wasn't even that hard. That was the best part. It wasn't even that hard. <laughs> You're like, yeah, the sales pitch was easy. Um, <laughs> so great. I love that, though. I feel like we've probably said this since we started recording, but there are people out there who probably would really love this. And just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know don't what know. you don't know. Mm-mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I love. I love that. That's so great. Um, <laughs> I wanted to know... And this was before I knew what your degrees were in. So I feel like maybe I know the answer to this, but I was curious about whether you had ever tried your hand at writing before fan fiction. But then, you know, now I see that you got your degrees in some writing adjacent type subjects. So I, I feel like the answer is probably yes. <laughs> I, I always wanted to be a writer. Um, I actually have a good story. When I was in my fourth or fifth grade, I want to say maybe fifth grade, I wrote my first book and it was a ghost story about some kids who heard a ghost in the attic because it kept going boo, boo, like, you know, kids ghosts do. But the end of the story, spoiler alert, it was an owl that was saying who, who. So, so I wrote this story on my own and my mom made me take it to school and show my teacher because my mom was all impressed with it. And the teacher was all impressed with it. So she brought it to the librarian and the li- they uh, arranged for me to get out of class and come to the library and read it to the first and second graders. And they kept that book. They kept the book in the library. It was literally made out of construction paper. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so, amazing. So that was my first story. I've come a long way, I think. <laughs> Damn, I love that though. I love that because yeah, like I can absolutely see how you'd be the type of person that just be like, you know, writing's kind of in my blood, you know, yeah, it's in yeah. me. It's, it's just always been fun. My degrees, like, you know, I went to college. I was lucky enough that my stepfather worked at a college, so I was able to get a pretty good free ride. I took what I wanted to take that was fun and I kind of wanted to be a writer, although I knew in the back of my head, you know, people don't just become writers and that's their job. So I didn't really go to college with a specific employee tract in mind. You know, I just have a regular normal office job. So, so I took all that just because I enjoy writing and now I am and I do. And, you know, the fact that it's not like published and 
bestseller means nothing to me because the only thing that's enjoyable is the writing of it and having people consume it who enjoy it and, you know, hearing that. And so this is all I need. You know what I mean? I don't plan on going any further with it (laughs) other than continuing fandom writing for eternity. (laughs) Yeah, no. And that's a completely valid way to approach it. I feel like a lot of people in fandom spaces who are writers probably feel the same way. I know that I've talked to so many people who have just told me pretty flat out, I have no desire to be professionally published. Because then it's work. Yeah. I don't want it to be work. Yeah. Yeah. I want it to be fun. The process is the joy. And so fan fiction lets you have that process in your life and have that joy Without the pressure of like, oh, I got to make money off of this or, oh, what will the people think or, you yeah, know, whatever. The editor, editor wants me to make these changes and I don't believe in them and blah, blah, blah. You know, so, yeah, you do whatever you want to. You're in charge in fandom. Yeah, exactly. And so you still get to have that joy without the accoutrements that yes. come yes. with it and everything. So I love that. And I love that you've found such joy here. You know, I think I already mentioned this, but... Yeah, I did. I mean, you're just so prolific. I mean, hundreds of fan fictions posted for The Walking Dead. So you can absolutely see that you're just having a ball out there doing your thing. And I love that. So so cool. I am so curious about how your thoughts on fan fiction have evolved. You know, you discovered it later than some folks, but you've been in it for a while now. I mean, like nine years is nothing to sneeze at. What are some things about fan fiction that surprise or excite you the most? And then I've also been wondering, what are some of the coolest things that you've learned while writing the fan fiction? Well, I know one of the things that I guess was, I'd say, a surprise is that, I mean, I battle with depression and this is just a great escapism. It's a thing that cheers me up and it's a place for me to put my creativity and I don't know. It's it's almost like I kind of was missing something before I found it. And I didn't even realize I was missing something. So the surprise is just fan fiction in itself. Look what there is. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I think one of the things that I think is so exciting is that you can write this stuff and publish it onto the AO3 and people read it. And the commenters will come back. And when they tell me things like, they cried and sobbed and went through a whole box of tissue or they laughed so hard they made their dog scared or, you know, whatever. It's like, that means the world to me. Like, I could write these stories and only have two people comment on them the entire time, but the comments are so fantastic and so, like, passionate that that's all I'd need. You know what I mean? I don't need hundreds of people to read it. As long as whoever is reading it is, like, getting that much of an impact from it, that just was exciting to me. To be able to make people laugh or cry or, you know, make their day. Sometimes they, you know, I'd get comments about, like, because sometimes I'd write a little deeper stuff like grief and mental health stuff. And I'd get comments about how they, you know, people identify with it or they're going through it or, you know, that kind of stuff. And that just really is just an amazing thing to hear. And, and, you know, the other thing that, you know, I guess is exciting is that you can find anything in fan fiction. I mean, it's what you can write anything and you can read anything, any type of story you're in the mood for. There's so many ways to search on AO3. If you're in the mood for a specific kink or you want some angst or you want some humor, you know, you can you can search anything. And what trust me, whatever you are looking for, it exists. <laughs> yes, yes. I love that about fan fiction as well. When you fall in love with something, Walking Dead, for instance, we have like our canon and everything. But like, that's not 
all we want to see, you know, like there are so many other things. And that's where fan fiction comes in, because yeah, just imagine any kind of scenario you want. And I guarantee you it's probably out there somewhere. And if it's not, you get to create yes, it if you want exactly. to. So like it is so super cool that all those things that we want to see but don't get to see in mainstream media, we get to see it all the time in fan fiction. And it's just this tremendous, tremendous thing. And some of these people I've read, I mean, they write so well that you can just picture it and you can hear the voices and you can imagine it in your head. And I know there was a period of time where I was absolutely gorging on reading fan fiction. And I would be at a point where I couldn't remember if something actually happened on the show or if it was a story I read. (laughs) (laughs) That happens to me, too. When you're so engrossed in it. Yeah. And you're just like, wait a second. That thing I'm remembering right now, was that a fan fiction or did that actually happen? Like, I don't even know at this point. (laughs) And it's like, it's legit. Like, I really honestly don't remember. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No, it's tremendous. And with you writing so many fan fictions in such a like a short period of time, I feel like you probably learned a lot. Talk to us a little bit about what that learning process has been like. What's one of the coolest things you've learned, you think, with the writing process? Well, I mean, the coolest thing is just that you can do whatever you want. I think I said before, it's almost like playing God. You can create your world. You can make anybody do anything. And, you know, it's fun to write. I think, you know, I when I read, I see all these different tropes and I want to put take my hand at each one of those tropes and try a little bit of everything. I've had a lot of different people beta read for me. Uh, LOTR 58 is one of them. Um, and I've had a lot in the past nine years. And I can tell you from each and every one of them that I have a bad relationship with commas as far as technical writing goes. So... <laughs> So um, I I never quite put commas in the right place or I just never use them at all. So, you know, I kind of learned how to write technically better than creatively. I think even going through school, you know, I would get papers back and they'd be like, this is an A plus for creativity. But honestly, I should probably give you a C because you haven't used a single comma. And, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so my technical writing has gotten better and I think I've learned how to do that mostly by reading other people. And you know what I mean? Like learning from that, you know, because I've always been a reader. I've always read books. Although that said, I don't think I've read an actual physical book in like, well, nine years now. (laughs) But um, yeah, you, you know, you just have to, I guess what I've learned is keep trying. And if you write something and you don't think it's great, try it again. Or, you know, the next story you write, you'll have learned some lessons and just keep doing it. That's what I would tell anyone who writes. Just write and write again. And if you can't think of anything, just start writing and see what happens. And, you know, sometimes I'll do the whole, I think you had mentioned earlier, maybe it was before we started recording, that people will plan out or make outlines or this, that, and the other. And I do that with some of my stories, but some of them, I just open up a blank page and I'm like, I feel like writing, but I don't know what. So I'm just going to start typing a sentence and see what happens. And I've written some stories that way. Yeah. Some people pants it and it turns out beautiful. That's one of the things that I really admire about you. Like the more that I learn about your process and what this whole experience has been like for you, I've been really impressed by the way that you are so fearless in the way that you're willing to experiment. It's so funny sometimes. And I don't know if it's an age thing or whatever, but you hear sometimes fan fiction writers say, well, 
you know, I'm toying around with trying this one thing or this one trope, but I'm scared because I've never done it before (laughs) or whatever. And then when you look at your list of stories, it's such a plethora of different things. You experiment with like everything. Yeah. And I just remember at some point looking at that and being like, this writer is so fearless. Like she (laughs) just tries it. You know, to see what it feels like and what it looks like. And does she like it? Does she not like it? You know, and I love that. I love that because like, yes, you can literally do that in fan fiction. Yes, you can experiment. And who cares if it doesn't turn out the way you thought it would or maybe you didn't like it, but you you at least tried. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and I do. I mean, that's part of the fun is just to try different things. And I mean, you know, at, at the beginning, I was at the very beginning, a little bashful about the more hardcore stuff, but it didn't take long before I was like, you know what people like to read? And you know what I like to read? <laughs> it's pretty pretty serious stuff so (laughs) yeah yeah but you know what like i just have to tell you that uh i uh i I very much appreciated that i you know i i have particular taste sometimes (laughs) and you know i could always count on you okay let's just put that out there that uh thank you thank you you know when i really wanted something specific uh twd had my back y'all i'm just like gonna (laughs) Throw Thank that out you. there. Uh, obsessed with me here a little bit, right? The Walking Dead, because I feel like there are so many things that are on my mind. Oh my gosh. I could talk about it forever. So you're going to have to probably edit a lot of this out because I'll probably just keep talking. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to stop ourselves at some point. But <laughs> I want to talk about it because. I've never actually been able to talk to anybody about it before. And yeah, there's just so much. But I want to hear from you first. Like, talk to me a little bit about how did you get into The Walking Dead? Kind of what was the experience like for you watching it? Your whole thing with Rick and Daryl? Like, just tell me everything. Well, you know, I've always liked apocalypse stories. And I'm not sure why that is. I think it's because... Everything in the world that is annoying or troublesome or, you know, stuff you have to do that you don't you know, want to do or, you know, work and taxes and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like in an apocalypse, all you got to do is figure out how to live. And that, you know what I mean? I just I think it's a fascinating thing to look at. So when I heard The Walking Dead was going to be a thing, I was like, I'm definitely going to like it. And I think in a thing like that, in a world that was created like that, the intensity of the relationships between anyone, not just Rick and Daryl, but everyone's relationships are so much more intense when there is a daily battle for life or death. You know, I think uh, loyalty, there's so much loyalty involved, too, when especially you realize uh, when you get into The Walking Dead a little and you realize that the real enemy is other people, not really the walkers, that loyalty just becomes this thing that's so intense it is basically love you know it becomes love completely and then of course with Rickle I mean like you said and like you know and like I feel like anybody who's read any Walking Dead or watched any Walking Dead knows that it's all in just the eyes the way they talk to each other and look at each other you know the development of those two characters I think was fascinating especially Daryl you know he considers himself the least important person in any room So whoever his family is, whoever he considers family is going to get everything and anything they need from him. And to see him go from Merle's little shadow 
even though I think I'm, you know, I think you could tell he didn't agree with Merle on a lot of things, but he just went along with everything because that's all he had to look up to. Once he had Rick to look up to, he became a very different man. And it was really fun to watch that transition for him. And even, you know, Rick had his, has his things too. I love his imperfections. I love him as the reluctant leader. And I think when they were in the prison and Rick and, you know, Rick was kind of losing his shit, seeing ghosts and whatnot, and kind of going off the deep end. And Daryl kind of became him, his savior in the same way that Rick had become Daryl's savior, you know, giving him someone to look up to and giving him trust and honor and showing him his own worth. I think that's when I started falling in love with that pairing, which, which of course, at the time, I didn't even know what the word pairing meant because I was so oblivious to all things fan fiction. You knew it intuitively. (laughs) I I knew it in the back of my head. Yeah. But yeah. And I think just to gloss quickly over a couple of the really important scenes to that created this whole Rickle thing, you know, when um, Joe's gang was going to kill Carl and Michonne and Rick and Daryl's just take it from me, puts his weapon down and he's literally giving his life. And then there was a scene where Rick says to Daryl, you're my brother. And when Rick talks about Daryl and says Daryl is the priority. And when Daryl and Rick were in that pit, and I actually jotted notes down for this. That's why I can say it so quickly. Um, (laughs) When they were in that pit and Daryl said to Rick, I'd die for you. I mean, that moment when he said, I'd die for you. It's like, we all knew that. We've known that for years. But to hear him say it, like, that was amazing. And that reunited hug after Daryl got out of Negan's compound. And they just, the way they fell into each other's arms that's the moment where it's like, seriously, this is a deep love. This is a deep love. <laughs> that was the one that unalived me. Like, yes. I died when I saw it. And the funny thing is that the first time I saw that, I don't know if I was just not paying attention or what, but like, I don't remember. And then during the rewatch, I saw that and was like, what? <laughs> right? This I is mean, the best scene in TV I've literally ever seen. I know. And then like when... Rick came in and saw Maggie and he like hugs her and it's like Daryl walks out and Maggie kind of looks at Rick like, guess what? Guess he's here. Your boyfriend. You know what I mean? It was just like even Maggie was like, you're going to be super excited to see that Daryl's here. And it was just it was just so cool. It was such a good moment of television. It really was. But don't let me keep talking. You tell me you just had a big rewatch. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, so. I don't even remember when The Walking Dead first came out. I feel like it was, was it early 2010s? I think it was 2010. Yeah, I think it was 2010. Yeah, because I I do remember it coming out. And I remember that I was watching it, I think, on Netflix because Netflix does this thing where it posts the new season about a year after it's released on uh, AMC. And so I, I, I must have still been... I went back to college late in life, you know, to finish up my degree. So I remember that I was at university in my early 30s. And that's when I saw, oh, like this new show that just got posted up on Netflix. I think I've heard about this, you know. And um, I was married at the time. I'm not married anymore, but I was married at the time. (laughs) And I remember my husband liked the show, but he used to get like, he used to get mad at me because... It's a fairly gory show, you know, like there's a lot of guts and there's a lot of blood and there's a lot of like, you know, intense survival and everything. And I wanted to sit there on the couch and watch it while we were eating dinner at night. (laughs) 
And he would be like, why are we watching something so disgusting while we're literally putting food in our mouths? Like, I cannot handle this. And I'd be sitting there, you know, with like pizza hanging out in my mouth, watching like the zombie. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Being like, I don't see the problem. Like, I don't don't know what you're talking about. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. (laughs) Yeah. It just never bothered me. I don't know why. But yeah, like I was instantly drawn to Daryl. I remember that from the beginning. I I feel like, and this is like totally outing myself. Not really because I've done this on the show plenty of times now. I shouldn't be embarrassed by this anymore. But if y'all have listened to all the episodes, you know that I tend to have a little bit of a thing for characters with tragic backstories. Oh, God. Who doesn't? That's fantastic. Yes. Yes, I agree. Right? Right. And you could tell that there was something up with Daryl. Like even that first season, you're like, okay, because you you called him Merle's shadow and he absolutely is. But he's not a little kid, you know. And so you're thinking like, okay, this is a grown man. Like, why is he deferring to his brother so much? You know, his brother's not that much older than him. I don't think. So it just kind of like, hmm, it was this thing at the back of my mind, you know, where I'm like, I I don't know. And then there was just the way that Daryl would interact with other people where I was just like, something's going on. He is really good at the things he's really good at, but it's like he can't see it or something. Yeah. He has very little self-worth until he meets Rick. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, he'll put up this facade of like, oh, I'm so tough. Don't mess with me. Like, don't touch me. But there's something else there and I couldn't put my finger on it. And then as you progress, you know, (laughs) through the different, you know, seasons and stuff, you just watch him melt into like almost this completely different person. I joke with people that he reminds me a little bit of a hissing cat the first couple of seasons, you know, where he's just like, I will kill you, you know, (laughs) and he's so intense about it. And then, like, he just melts into this, I don't know, this very quiet, introspective, introverted, more self-assured person. Yeah. He's definitely not super self-assured by any stretch of imagination, but he seems to, like, settle somehow into his place and his role in the group. And I don't know. There was something about that. And then, yeah, when I saw season 11, because season 11 was the last one. And of course, I had to wait a whole year to see it because, you know, I was waiting for Netflix to post it. And I just, this is going to sound so terrible. I can't believe I'm saying this, but. Say it, say it. Well, (laughs) you already know this because I told you in an email, but (laughs) I was watching him interact with Maggie because by season 11, Rick's not in the picture anymore, right? But there's other characters that, you know, Daryl cares about and all that. And I was watching him interact with Maggie and I'm like. There's like some subby vibes here. I feel crazy. Well, I have written probably a hundred stories that would agree with your subby vibes. So <laughs> Yes, yes. You know, and it's it's so funny that I would even put it that way because it's not sexual with Maggie at all. You right, know, I right. just was noticing that his personality trait, yeah. But it was those scenes where he would look her in the eye for a second and then look back down. Like yes. he couldn't even look her in the eye. And there were times when you could tell that he disagreed with her assessment of a situation or disagreed with what she wanted to do or what she was deciding for the rest of the group. But he would just be like, "Okay, we'll go along with what you do and what you think. And that's fine. 
even though you could tell that he was like, I don't like this. But he just deferred to her way too many times where I was just like, okay, there's something going on here, too. So that's what made me curious about the character evolution of Daryl Dixon, because I could remember what he was like in season one. And I thought, how did we get from this hissing cat in season one to this guy, you know, in season 11? Who just uh, defers to everybody yeah. else. And, you know, he did that once Rick, you know, gained his loyalty and stuff. He did that with Rick and he did it exactly the same way with Maggie in season 11. He's always kind of been the guy who will be the right hand. He doesn't need to be the main hand or whatever. You know, he's the right hand man, not the main person. And it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman or, you know, and, you know, this is someone you you talked about this earlier that was most likely a misogynist, you know, when he was back with Merle, you know, in the beginning of the seasons. And then he evolves into this person who, you know, the women on the show are no less than him. They are his equals. They are also fighting and strong and have the same goals to survive and protect their families. And, you know, some of the scenes with, you know, one of my favorite things ever was when Carol saved everybody from Terminus with that rocket launcher. Uh, you know, Daryl was like, you know, he wasn't like, oh, it's a woman. He's like, Carol saved us, you know. And, you know, with Connie, there was a great scene with Connie where she offered to help come with Daryl to do something. And he didn't hesitate. He's like, yeah, let's go. And not only was she a woman, but also deaf, but it didn't dawn on him at all that she was any less than him. She was someone who wanted to do this mission, who wanted to save their people, who wanted to, you know, fight. And that's good with him. Let's go. So yeah, I agree with you. His character evolution was just fantastic. If you're going to watch the whole show straight through, that's a great thing to focus on. Yes. Oh, and I'm so glad that you brought that up. I'm so glad that you highlighted that because that was the singular thing that I noticed for the first time on the show doing this recent rewatch. I could not believe my eyes what I was seeing because I was focusing on Daryl, let's be honest. <laughs> and that's what I noticed. And, you know, it's so funny. I'm going to try to verbalize this and explain it. And I apologize if this doesn't make any sense to anybody. But by the time this episode here airs, this will be right after the one that I air with Akina Sky. In that episode, we talk a lot about the way that women are portrayed in modern media. And we talk a lot about um, gender issues and, and things like that. And I was explaining to her that... Just in the past six months, I've had a lot of time to think about the concept of gender. What does that mean? You know, um, especially the concepts of like femininity and masculinity and, and all of that. Right. And I struggle with that. I talk about that on that podcast episode with Akina Sky. And <laughs> and then I do this rewatch right in the middle of all of that. And that's what I'm noticing. Like. Daryl's interactions with women on the show and the relationships that he has with these women, because I'm used to seeing shows and movies and things like that where the male character might be nice, <laughs> maybe, to the women on the show, but it's probably because he wants something. Right. He likes them. He's attracted to them. Right. You know, whatever. And we all look at that and we're like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, my God. So we're used to that dynamic. Yes. You're onto something. You're totally onto something. Well, Daryl is different, right? Because yes. he comes off 
And when I said this to you the first time, you were like, yeah, I've had that same thought. So I'm glad I'm not the only one thinking this, but he comes off as like borderline asexual the whole show. And as you know, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, like he... (laughs) He never expresses like any romantic interest towards anyone except for that one rando in the middle of the woods. That we don't talk about that. We we don't discuss that. <laughs> yeah, we ignore that because it's weird. It was weird. I didn't like it. I don't think anyone liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just it deserved to be fleshed out more. I think we can agree on that. But anyway, aside from that, he really just doesn't show any like need or interest in romantic relationships with the opposite sex. And so his relationships with women are just normal relationships that he has with another human being and their gender does not matter to him at all. And so you're watching Daryl do all of these profoundly kind things for people, at least in my mind, they were profoundly kind because I'm not used to seeing this. I don't see it in real life. and I certainly (laughs) don't see it in, you know, media. I'm specifically thinking of instances like when he and Beth were together. Yes. They sort of have to break away from the group for a little while, not because they chose to. It was a it was a whole thing. So they end up running off together to escape something that's happening. So they are surviving together for several like episodes in one of the the mid seasons. And there's that point, right, where Beth is like, I want a drink. I never got to have my first drink because she's like, you know young and everything. So Daryl's kind of like the older brother in the situation. And I'm sitting there going, if that was me talking to Beth, I'd be like, girl, we're in the middle of an apocalypse right now. Like, I don't give a shit about (laughs) your damn drink. Like, we're surviving here. Like, sit your ass down. And he could have said that, you know, because you can tell that he's listening to her hatch this plan of like, let's go out and let's find a drink. Like, fuck it. And he thinks it's a horrible idea. You know, he thinks that. But he doesn't tell her to sit her ass down. He doesn't be like, that's so stupid. She wanted something that was important to her. It was an emotional need for her. And instead of ridiculing that and making fun of her for that and being like, why can't you just be more like me? I'm rational. He just is like, well, I guess this is what we're doing. And he just follows her. Yep. You know, and he helps her. And and exactly like you said, too, he wasn't doing that to get anything out of it. He wasn't like, oh, yeah, let's get drunk because then I can, you know, get in her pants or anything like that. Like, that right, would never, right. ever dawn on him. You know what I mean? Like you said about yeah. the asexual thing. It just it wouldn't even dawn on him. He did it because it was important to her. Yeah, because she wanted it. She had a human need. And instead of being like, oh, you're so stupid, little girl, he just sees that need in her and thinks, oh, yeah, OK, that's legitimate. That's valid. I guess that's what we're going to do. And he just does it. And then there's that other time where Denise wanted that uh, that orange soda for Tara. Yes. He gives her a little bit of a hard time a little bit sometimes, you know, in the episodes that they're together in. But it's it's in a very nice way. It seems like sibling. I I read sibling from the two of them. You know what I mean? He kind of like when he would razz her, it would be like an older brother and and a younger sister so exactly and i was just so impressed by the way that he listened to her go through this whole spiel about the soda and why she wanted it and instead of being like that's so stupid we're literally going out there to get medicine and food for our people he didn't say that he was just like oh 
Okay. Okay. I'll keep my eye out. That's cool. And not only did he keep an eye out, but like it was on his mind the entire time that he's out there with Rick, like trying to get these supplies. He's thinking about it and going, "Mm, how can I get this for her? Just because she wanted it. And I'm thinking like, what is this? Like, you don't see this. It made me profoundly uncomfortable. I have to tell you that. It did. It did because you're just not used to seeing that. And at first it made me profoundly uncomfortable and I had to sit there with it for days and weeks and be like, why is this making me so uncomfortable? And that's when I sort of had to be like so super honest with myself and be like, well, part of the reason is that I've always seen myself as stupid and not worthy. And like I've always thought that my thoughts and my wants and needs are stupid. And I think a lot of that is society's putting that on women, you know, kind of making that and across the board, this is what men are like and this is what women are like. And obviously that's not the way it is. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I get that. I get what you're saying. Exactly. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Because yeah, it was it was not a fun conclusion to come to because I didn't <laughs> realize that about myself. Like, oh shit, I internalized all of this. I did not know that. Believe it or not, watching Daryl treating people like human beings with gender not really being a factor, that was huge for me. Yeah, we emailed about that and everything you said like blew me away. I, you know, I hadn't given it much thought until your comments in our emails and it made so much sense when you said that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this all adds up. This all makes sense. And, you know, I didn't even realize I felt that way is just like yourself. And what a way to come to that discovery through uh, Daryl Dixon on The Walking Dead. <laughs> I know. I laugh about it now because I'm like, can you freaking believe that a zombie show brought me to this emotional place where I was ready to confront that truth in myself for the very first fucking time? Because after that confrontation in myself, I thought, well, this is unacceptable. Like, I don't want to go through the rest of my life hating my own self because those things are a part of me. You know, and just because society says I should be treated this way does not mean that it's okay. But there is a better way. Look at this. Look at Daryl. Like, I know he's not real. Like, I'm aware of that. (laughs) Come on. Come on. He's real. I know. (laughs) I know. I wish, dude. But just the fact that, like, the concept of that exists, you know, that we can have this concept of somebody who will treat us like people. And like you said, I love how throughout this whole show... He doesn't care if women want to come and have his back on different missions and different things like that. If you're capable and competent, he's totally fine. Yeah, it's just a quick aside, too. No matter how old that woman is, because once Judith was old enough to fight, she was an equal. He never talked to her like she was a kid. He always talked to her like she was an equal. Yeah, he did. He did. He's just so good at treating people like just people. Like people. Yeah. Just people. And it was such a revelation for me. Like, I can't believe how profoundly uncomfortable it made me. And I can't believe like how much it made me think. Yeah, it really did. Yeah, it really, really did. So yeah, all of that aside, um, you know, of course, I love Daryl for, you know, other less profound reasons. Um, <laughs> you know, but that, that was, motorcycle. That was just a great oh profound God. moment for you to like, come to that realization. It just shows you what kind of focusing on, you know, being obsessed with these things does, you know, it makes you think. And, you know, that was just, I mean, unfortunate because it was a, you know, uncomfortable conclusion, but it was fascinating for you to travel down that path and figure that out. It really was. And then, 
I feel like people picked up on those aspects of Daryl's character on the fan fiction side as well. So not only was I encountering it in canon on the show, but then when I dove into, you know, months long obsessive reading of fan fiction in the Walking Dead fandom, I noticed a lot of writers picking up on that aspect of Daryl's character and carrying it on in their stories. And it just sort of reinforced that whole emotional journey that I happened to be on at the time. So that was very cool. Very cool. So huge shout out to Walking Dead fandom and all of you amazing writers out there because, yeah, that was uh, it was intense, but very, very cool. Obviously, I read a lot of Walking Dead fan fiction, which was so cool. There's all kinds, right? But I did find myself going to yours specifically because uh, you have a lot and you're like one of the best writers in that fandom over there. Like, I always knew when I saw your name pop up that I would love the story without even knowing what it was about, Aww, you know, so I always you. clicked on him because I was That's just so like, nice. oh, I know her. Let's click on this. And I think that the first one, the first one I read must have been the one that we're talking about today, because this is the one in my bookmarks. Ah. So it must have been one of the first ones that I read when I started diving in during the rewatch, which makes sense because I, I want to say that this is one of your earlier fix and I was just filtering them by date I think yes I, well I, I joined and started and had my first fic in March of 2015 and I was posting blooms by the end of that year oh, okay yeah okay so this is kind of like right up there when you were kind of getting your your feet get wet. my groove on let's get my yeah, groove on exactly <laughs> exactly but oh my god I love this story oh thank you it's called blooms among the dead it is an au which Oh, my God. I love AUs. I love canon ones. I, I just love them all. But this is an AU. It's beautiful. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what Blooms Among the Dead is about? And then I want to know what inspired this particular concept and idea for you and what themes you were exploring here. Oh, my gosh. OK, um, let me think. <laughs> this is where I get nervous. So the story itself is about grief. In the canon show, Rick and Daryl both deal with grief constantly. And I kind of wanted to take them out of that and put them in the real world. And I like exploring kind of the vulnerability, especially of men, and the unexpectedness of developing relationships. So, you know, the story itself is about grief, about learning how to grieve, that there actually is no wrong way to do it, and then learning how to live again, or in Daryl's case, learning how to live for the very first time, actually. So I kind of just wanted to play around with focusing on the depths of the, that grief. And yeah, it got a little deep, deeper than I thought it would when I started writing it. <laughs> See, before recording, I think it was before recording, we were talking about how it's so wonderful that we have people of all ages in fandom, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was saying that I particularly appreciate that there are people in fandom writing fan fictions who have a lot of life experience with different situations and things like that, because I feel like you guys are really good at tackling these deep concepts like grief. It, grief happens to be one of those ones that I don't know what my fascination is with it, but I find myself so compelled and drawn to stories that cover themes of grief. And I felt like the way that it was done in this fan fiction was so 
beautifully executed. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Was that a difficult decision to come to deciding I'm going to write about grief? Because, uh, you know, on the one hand, it could be fun, right? Like I can tell that there were parts of this fic that were probably so much fun to write, but it is a heavy topic. Like, what was going through your head when you were thinking, I, I'm going to write about grief? <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I think I just, I wanted to pull Rick and Daryl aside from everyone else. I probably had just recently discovered that AUs were a thing that you could do. So I wanted to try my hand at this AU thing. And for some reason, I just came up with the idea of meeting in a graveyard because, you know, they do have so much grief. And I just had this image of them both sitting at their respective tombs and meeting each other there. And, you know, there being, you know, one of the things I like so much, I guess, about male slash is that sometimes you can not see coming depending on what people are showing outwardly and, you know, that sort of thing. So I kind of liked the idea of a relationship developing that wasn't anything other than this communal grief friendship at first. But then, of course, you know, the story goes on and you know the rest. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. This is absolutely one of those where I don't know if you could call it like a cute meet exactly because it's a graveyard. But yeah, (laughs) it's an interesting meet. It is. It's an interesting. I like that. Okay, (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to use that. Yeah, because they they meet on sort of this equal playing field where they've both lost somebody and they're both feeling that profound you know, when you lose somebody, it, there's just a hole there. You miss them. You miss them. And so they both are kind of dealing with their respective losses by constantly going back to the graves and having these conversations with their deceased loved ones, you know, still doing their best to spend that time there. So they end up meeting kind of on this level playing field where they have that one thing that they can both relate to each other with. And then it was so cool to kind of see it build from there, you know, like I would consider this like a mid slow burn, you know, yeah, okay. in my yeah. mind, at least. Do yeah. you think? Yeah. I mean, I think like uh, because I, I don't write like 200,000 word stories. I, you know, I keep them much shorter just because I don't know. I, I have another idea by then, so I have to kind of move it along. <laughs> but yeah, I would say that it was uh, kind of a slow burn and getting to the points where I could start doing actual things was exciting to write because I had spent so much time just slowly building and, and spending so much time describing the depths of the grief in both of these men. Yeah, well, I, I loved it because um, I felt like the progression was realistic. It made sense. It wasn't rushed. There's 34 chapters here. So there's plenty, plenty of good content. <laughs> but I just I loved the way that you took us through this progression because I feel like they bring each other food at the at the graveyard at some point, yeah, right? Yeah, like they yeah. start noticing like, oh, there's this guy I see all the time, you know, and it goes from just recognizing each other's faces to, you know, eventually they talk to each other a little bit and then they start hanging out, you know, a little bit outside of the graveyard. And then I loved, I loved the texting parts. They were so funny. I have to tell you, the conversations <laughs> that they have in text were so fantastic and so funny. I'm glad to hear that because I love writing humor, but I'm always afraid of it. You know, you can write 
the sex stuff and everyone loves it because the sex is the sex, you know, that kind of stuff, the smut's <laughs> yeah. the smut. But humor, if it doesn't land right, then you screwed it up. So I'm glad to hear that the humor was coming through. <laughs> it did. It landed. And it was just so great because I think what they do is they end up watching the same show on TV at night, sometimes like the late show or whatever. And so they'll just sit there in their own houses watching this show together and then texting about it like, oh, my God, can you believe that one person said this or that? And it's just this really fun thing where I can totally see two people getting to know each other that way. Absolutely. And then it just kind of, you know, progresses from there and everything, you know. Then they're watching it on the same couch. <laughs> yes, eventually they do. They watch it on the same couch. Daryl ends up like going to Rick's house a lot at a certain point after that. For a while in this um, in this fic, you kind of just keep it at like... We're really good friends, you know, and we're just helping each other through these hard times. I feel like Rick was having a particular, <laughs> particularly hard time with it. It sort of felt like maybe his grief was a little more recent, maybe, or maybe just because it was his wife. I'm not really sure, but he seemed to really be struggling with that. And it was really nice that Daryl was just so cool about it. And he was in a position where he could understand what that's like. The progression was just like beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I loved it. And then like what you said earlier, too, about Daryl kind of like there's this subplot in here where Daryl's kind of learning to live for the very first time. Not only is he trying to get over the grief of losing his brother, who's sort of his entire world before Rick comes along. So he kind of like loses his only family and his only friend when his brother passes away. But he's also kind of learning how to. I don't know, live his life for the very first time because you kept elements of his tragic backstory in this fic, which, oh my God, I appreciate that so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because You're welcome indeed. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it made the story like, oh my God, I can't even. I can't even because it was so good. But there was a lot of issues that come along with that. You know, a lot of things that Daryl just doesn't have experience with, a lot of things he doesn't know because he's been so isolated due to trauma and things like that. So you kind of let them explore that together. And I really loved it. It was so good. Was that difficult for you? Because I feel like, <laughs> and this is probably me not really having a lot of experience tackling really difficult topics, right? But I feel like if I tried to tackle something like this, I would be really uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uncomfortable? Yeah, like uncomfortable and a little bit hesitant. Like, am I treating this with the care it deserves, with the respect that it deserves? Like, am I being realistic about this? Yeah. Was that challenging for it you was. as you were... It yeah. was. You know, I specifically think about the Halloween chapter and, you know, that was like you talking about him learning to live for the first time. It's like he never got to experience a regular Halloween. And, you know, I just remember when, you know, Carl got home and Rick was going through the candy to make sure there weren't any razor blades in it. And Daryl was just like, that's what's happening right now. This is awful. You know, like yeah. he had no idea how these things worked. But um, in that chapter is when he has like kind of his flashback to his abuse as a child. And that was incredibly difficult to write. I don't really have personal experience to pull that from. So I had to kind of immerse myself in the imagination of it. And it was unpleasant. It was, you know, it made me uncomfortable to write it and then read what I wrote. And it made me sad. And it, it hurt, you know, and I was like, well, I guess if that's how I feel about it, then I must have written it the right way. 
but you know, it was it was incredibly difficult to write that part. If you know, I had to talk about the whole story from beginning to end. That that one scene was different than anything else in the story because it was in such a different time in his life, and it was, you know, I made it very descriptive and very. It was hard. It was hard to. I feel like it was hard to read, and I I'm like with you. I hope I did it justice based on the fact that there are people who that kind of stuff really happens to. And I hope I did it in the appropriate and delicate manner, despite the fact of what it was. Oh, for sure. No, I feel like you treated it with such respect and care. The entire story, you know, it was done so respectfully. But I do remember reading the the author's note at the end of that chapter, and you were kind of like, I'm sorry, like, this is really hard for me to write, and this is really hard for me to pose. And that got me thinking like, oh, I bet that would be as a writer, because, yeah, when you're tackling tough topics, that's one of the reasons why I say you're so fearless is, you know, a lot of people would maybe shy away from that and be like, nope, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. But you were willing to go there. And I appreciated that so much because, you know, even though this is like a romance story, right, of them like falling in love and getting together. I appreciate that angst and that like emotional, you know, drama like that just makes the romance for me, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) It definitely adds a a layer of. uh, Yeah, it does. I appreciated that um, there are points in the story where you let them have, you know, those moments of like angsty miscommunication. Yeah. Misunderstanding. (laughs) Very (laughs) tropey. I'm such a sucker for that, though. (laughs) I am. Like, it just does something to me. I can't describe it. But you do that several times in this uh, fic. And I just have to tell you that it made it like 10 times better with that stuff in it because (laughs) I'm such a sucker for it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Speaking of AUs, you've done so many different kinds of stories. So like Blooms Among the Dead, AU. I've read a bunch of others from you that are also AUs. Do you feel like the majority of your stories are AUs or do you feel like you have a pretty good mix? You know what? That's a great question. I don't know. I, w- <laughs> I, I That is a great question. I feel like after this, I want to look at all 200 and whatever of my stories right. and like make a chart of how many are which. Um, yeah. I, you know, I love writing in canon because it's like you can really visualize it because you see the canon on TV. And I think at the beginning of my journey in fan fiction, like that's kind of all I knew. And once I discovered AUs, I was like, oh, you mean we can do anything anywhere, anytime, any world, whatever. I was like, you know, so I kind of got into that. And I bet you if I if I did do the scientific research of how many of each, I probably have more AUs than than canon, I would think. And I think it's just it gives you just you have a lot more room to play, I think, if you put it wherever you want to put it. So yeah, I guess I I probably do. That's so funny. Yeah. Now I'm curious to see because I, yeah, I thought about like, I guess I could go through, but I'm not very good with statistics and things like that. And I'm just like, I would screw this up. (laughs) But yeah, it made me wonder because at least the ones in my brain that stand out that I liked the most, I think most of the ones were AUs. Yeah. You know, the more I think about it, I'd say probably like 75 to 80% of them were AUs. Because <laughs> I'm kind of trying to go through my brain now of all the like bigger ones or the standout ones that I got a lot yeah. of feedback on. And they're like pretty much a lot of it AUs. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, there's something to be said for that, though. There is. Because I don't know. I mean, it's totally fun to see characters in canon situations. It is. But it's also just super cool to see them completely outside. 
of that crazy world and oh what would that look like and what would they do and things like that i felt like uh, you did such a great job with this story in particular of just keeping the characters who they were even outside of the apocalyptic zombified craziness and everything like they were still them yeah i try to keep them close to that sometimes i think when you write au's people will talk about out of character ooc but i I feel like everyone who writes these characters in AUs is taking a little piece of that character and just exaggerating upon it. You know what I mean? Like if this character is has a tiny bit of himself that's got, you know, no self-worth or that's got a lot of strength or that's got a lot of heart and you just take that one thing and embellish it. And, it, you know, some people would call it out of character, but I think, you know, usually anybody who writes anything about these guys, they're taking a little piece of something that they got out of them. And just bringing that to the forefront of the personality. Exactly. And I love that point, too. I love that point that sometimes you can just take a few aspects of a character and expand on them. And that doesn't necessarily make it OOC. It's just an exploration of something very specific that you're seeing and find compelling in that particular character. But yeah, the characterizations of both Rick and Daryl in here are so cool. So I, we obviously know which scene was, uh, you know, the most challenging for you to write. If you think back, I know I'm asking you to like think back a long I did, time. But... I did just do a reread so I can yeah. answer questions. <laughs> do you remember which part of the fic was the most enjoyable to write? Like the one scene or part where you're just like, oh, this was the best. Well, I will tell you, I had the first kiss in my brain pictured from the first words I put on the page. So by the time I finally got to the chapter where I could have them on the steps of Daryl's house, having that awkward, incredibly awkward first kiss that was still fantastic, even though it was incredibly awkward. That was so fun to finally get to that point because I had been waiting so, so long to do it. So that was kind of, I think the most enjoyable part. And even the part, the first kind of Daryl exploring nervous touching when uh, Rick had fallen asleep on the couch and Daryl just kind of like played with his curls or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, it was like I finally got to the part where I could start having some physical things going on between them. And uh, that was that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, finally, <laughs> my plan has come together. After all that grief, I can play with the good stuff. <laughs> yes. I loved the way that you approached it because, yes, it's the fun stuff, right? Where we're just like all on the edge of our seat going like, they're going to do it. They're going to kiss. They're going to kiss. Gonna, you know, but you also like interplayed that with really valid, real fears and concerns on Daryl's part. You know, like this was not an easy thing for him to do. This no. was not an easy threshold for him to cross at all. But he just wants it so bad. And he trusts Rick, but it's still very scary. And so like the edge of your seat watching them kiss for the first time interplayed with the emotional drama of the moment was so perfect for me. I just, ugh. Oh, my God. It was so, so good. Thank you. It was fun to write. <laughs> yes. I was thinking that that would probably be really fun to write. Now, besides, like, the kiss and the curls, which I agree, like, the curls and playing with <laughs> Rick's hair was fantastic. Were there any other, like, favorite lines or scenes from the fic that you had a good time with? You know what's funny? And I think I noticed it maybe halfway through the fic as I was writing it. Carl seemed to unintentionally hijack a lot of this story. And uh, <laughs> I think I think a lot of what I like, like one of the scenes I really liked was the night Daryl stayed overnight and he 
came downstairs to try to get out of there, but Carl was already up and caught him. And I, you know, so I liked Carl's, you know, bringing Carl's humor into it. And, you know, even the more serious moments with him, like when he was learning about Rick's tattoo wasn't his mom's birth date, but his birth date. So, yeah. So I think it was, it's funny when you write a story, sometimes you don't know what's going to organically evolve out of it. And I did not intend to have so much Carl. <laughs> he just kind of stormed in and demanded that he play a bigger role. So <laughs> he's like, surprise, uh, yep, motherfucker. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. I loved him being in this fic, though, because, yeah, um, I felt like the parts where he was in there really added to the story and uh, kind of helped us understand what was kind of going on with Rick with and Rick, what was going yeah. on with Daryl yeah. and, you know, and everything like that. So I thought it was so well done. You know, we talked about this a little bit earlier with your journey in fandom and how you started in TWD when it was in its heyday yeah. and then when it kind of faded out and wasn't yeah. so, you know, <laughs> out there and everything. Not to say that it's gone. It'll always right. be there. Right. But you have had that experience. And we talked about that a little bit before. But I was just wondering if you wanted to revisit that topic at all. Was there anything else you wanted to say about the process of what that was like or the process of kind of moving past it and all of that stuff? Yeah, it really was like I kind of lived the lifespan of a fandom. You know, I got to kind of come in when it was hot and heavy and, you know, stayed with it for a bunch of years where everybody was, you know, all over it and people were commenting and reading and there were chat groups and I was meeting people in real life and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then things kind of faded down and the show kind of, you know, got too many characters, I think, and everything kind of just got lost in it. And, you know, I, I thought it was all over and that was, I can't remember if we said this on the recording or it was earlier, but, you know, I thought it was the end of my whole life of fan fiction. You know, it's my my hobby, my passion. It's my escape. It's my creative outlet. And now I'm not going to have this anymore. It's all gone. And LOTR58 was the one that told me there was more out there. And she was right. I, You know, my husband and I just thought, found that Supernatural show. It was already over by the time we discovered it. And we started watching it. And I i don't know, as soon as Cash showed up, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, this is a thing. Yeah, the fan fiction. Oh, this is going to be my new thing. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, you know, I feel like that's such a tremendous place to land of all places, you know. Because you have 15 whole seasons. Yeah, you've got a lot to work with. Well, yeah. Plus, like, the cache of fan fiction that's out oh, there yes. for the fandom and for that pairing specifically. I've been reading fan fiction for Supernatural since the early 2000s. Before Cass even showed up, you know, back then we were all reading Wincest because yes. that's all there was. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, there, because it's been around for so long, there's just so much content. So you can easily spend... <laughs> the next 20 years <laughs> i feel like i've found like i don't remember walking dead having as long a fix as some of these fix i found in supernatural um you know there's a couple of them that i've read that are like hundreds and hundreds of words or you know it's just they're incredibly long and and they're fantastic and i'm so glad that they're so long because i can like disappear in this world and stay there for an incredibly long time so yeah it, it's a it's been a fun one to fall into I've already started writing in it and you know I I see that I'm not going to lose my fandom life so I'm happy yes. about that <laughs> yes the fun continues the fun and continues. I love that happy ending and I love that we talked about that because I know that there's tons of people out there who have experienced the life cycle of a fandom 
And it is so tempting sometimes to feel a little bit sorry about it being gone or dying out because you're like, I'll never be in love again. And you yes. do think that. I've yes. thought that so many times. <laughs> but um, but it is possible to fall in love again, folks. I'm here to tell you. And TWD is here to tell you from personal experience <laughs> that it does happen. You just have to be gonna patient. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be okay, people. Like, it's cool. You never know. It's kind of like when you never know you're going to meet that someone special if you haven't already. Sometimes it just kind of falls into your lap. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with fandoms. Yep. Like you never know when you're going to encounter something that's just going to blow the top of your head off. So. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to hear that you are happy in a new fandom. And I'm so happy to hear that you still have so much love for The Walking Dead because it absolutely is incredible. 11 seasons, you know, it was around for such a long time. I know that they're planning on doing some spinoff stuff. So we are going to get to see some new content here eventually. And that'll be kind of interesting to see. Sometimes you see an insurgence or a resurgence. Yeah, I'm wondering about that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the fan fiction scene looks like when we have these spinoffs come along. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see how that goes, right? Do you have any other fan fiction writers that you wanted to shout out on the podcast today? Actually, you know what? There were so many I read in the Walking Dead fandom, and I wish I could remember all their names. Everyone who ever wrote uh, Walking Dead fanfiction, I probably read it, so thank you. And I will say, like right now, since I've been reading Supernatural, I, can, I do know a couple names. Bending Signpost, I think, is the one who wrote Four Letter Word for Intercourse. That was amazing. Um, Squee Monster wrote Have Love Will Travel. Those two, if you haven't read them, you must immediately go to the AO3 right now and read both of them because they're amazing. So I'm incredibly thankful for them. And I did just want to give a quick shout out to, um, there was a Letraduker who has translated over a dozen of my fix into French. So I think that was just a really cool thing that happened. And I was excited about that. And for a while back in the heyday of The Walking Dead, uh, Legal is Sterile, she and I wrote back and forth fix before which i would write like a letter from rick and then she would write the letter back from daryl so it was kind of like in tandem we had a lot of fun doing that we did quite a few fix that way and it was such a long time ago but i still remember it so i had to give a shout out to her and oh and i do want to say too that you know we always talk about the writers so much but the commenters and the people who read and keep coming back are so important because otherwise they're you know we would i would be the only one reading my own stuff which i mean i you know i'm writing it because I enjoy it. But, you know, it's great to see that the commenters are liking it, too. And, you know, there's some of the names like uh, Kitty Soros and Abyss Walker and Bethel Lover Forever and Texas Dragon Slayer. It's names that I see all the time on my fix that respond, you know, when I post something. And, uh, you know, what they say means as much to me as what I'm writing means to them. So a shout out to the readers as well. Oh, absolutely. And thank you. Thank you for pointing that out and, and saying that. Because, yeah, we're, we're out here. We're out here reading stuff and getting all you excited. You guys are important, and... too, man. <laughs> yeah. And I am a reader. I'm, you know, not just a writer. I am a voracious reader of it, too. So, yeah. Thank you so much for those shout outs. I do. I never do this, but I do want to give my own shout out really quick here. Besides all of the beautiful fix that you wrote that I enjoyed so much, I just wanted to shout out Higgy Star. Oh, gosh, yes, yes. I totally know that one. <laughs> yes. Higgy Star wrote some Walking Dead fan fictions that I felt particularly attached to. 
And they actually gave me permission to kind of use their world a little bit in one of their fan fictions because I gave myself a goal this year. Y'all, I've been reading fan fiction for 26 years, right? Time to take a stab at writing? Well, yeah, because I've been writing stuff, secret little stuff for 26 years. And I just keep it to myself, you know, and I never finish anything. Right. And this <laughs> this year, for some weird reason, I thought, OK, let's take a stab at this and see what I can do. And um, for whatever reason, one of Higgy Star's fan fictions, which I really should pull it up. Is she the one who wrote it like where Daryl was mentally challenged and when he lost yep, Merle? <gasps> oh, that's my the gosh. one I'm talking about. That one was so good. I Still to this day, say that is one of my favorite fan fictions. I'm so glad you remembered her name because that is someone I would want to call out because believe me, I love the smut. Believe me. But this story had nothing to do with that. It was such a character driven story. And it's such a great, like I said, about taking a small piece of a person's character and embellishing it. And I just it was fabulous. It was fantastic. I'm sorry. Continue your shout out. Oh, no. And I'm so glad that you remember this and can like get excited oh, about yes. it with oh, me. Yes. Because, yes, this was absolutely character driven. It does feature an intellectually challenged Daryl. It's called The Real Me by Higgy Star. And it, I don't know, it just grabbed my brain and wouldn't oh, yes. let go. Oh, so you wrote in that. Oh, I did it. because they never finished it. I don't know. Um, they got up to 18 chapters and then, you know, how people do, they move on, they find other things that interest them and stuff. So it, it will never be finished. But there are 18 whole chapters of this. And I was just like, oh, my God, I need more. So I ended up just writing my first one shot ever. And folks, like I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm so funny because for me, this is a huge deal to everyone else. They're like, what the hell are you even talking about? Like, It is a huge deal. It wasn't even a long one. Like, it's only like, I don't know, maybe 2,600 characters That's or something good. like that. So are you going to post it? Is it posted? I need to read it. It's not posted. I am going to post it later this year. My thought was... That I had so much fun. Like, I cannot even tell you guys. I'm going to have to do an episode about this one day, about the experience of writing and finishing yes! fan fiction for the first yes! time, because it was mind blowing. I just have to say, I loved the whole process from beginning to end. It turns out I really love the editing process, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, who knew? But I had this thought of like, I could do different one shot scenes in this same universe and then post them all together up as a series. I don't know if I'll actually end up doing that. So I may just end up at some point this year posting the one that I have. But Higgy Star did give me permission oh, to do that. Oh, that's fantastic. I highly recommend that you post sooner rather than later because a one shot can stand alone. So it's not like you're leaving something that you've feel pressure that you have to come back to you just post it and if you want to make it a series you post another you post another and i mean like with the higgy store story like sometimes things that don't get finished are still well worth the read you know what i mean and you still get to a good place with it and it's okay but oh my gosh i have got to read this so the sooner you could post it that would be great for me <laughs> yeah you know i'm thinking i probably should just that that's probably the best course of action is i should probably just post it and then be like you know i can say that i finished my goal my goal this year yes. was to write one fan fiction and post it up and i did it 
I do have others in mind. It's just a matter of like finding time, time yeah. and everything. Yeah. So who knows if that will actually happen? But I, I have been playing around with that idea. But anyway, I don't mean to like keep talking about this forever. No, but, I love um, it. <laughs> I wanted to make sure to mention Hakey Star real quick and thank them um, for being so gracious about um, allowing me to do that. That's fantastic. And and you're right. Like it's well worth the read, even though it's it's not finished. So uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I feel like I'm going to hang up and like immediately go find that story and read it again. But yeah, we'll end it on this. There's always something to read. <laughs> yes, there is always something to read. Amen to that. Did you have any other last words for us today before we... I don't. I just, I thank you profusely for the honor of being on. And I told you before, and you know, I just think you do an amazing job of making fan fiction feel like it's okay and it's legit and it's a you know real creative outlet and you take the stigma away from it because there kind of is a stigma on it so I thank you profusely for that and for what you do because you're just kind of bringing everything together and letting us all kind of hear each other's thought process and it's I've really been enjoying the podcast so thank you thank you so much for saying that it's been my honor and it's been the greatest privilege of my life Seriously, I say it all the time to people in private. This has been the greatest privilege of my entire life to get to talk to you guys and how creative and amazing human beings that you all are. And so thank you and to everybody who has ever participated in the show because it would not happen without y'all. So yeah, yeah, everyone who you've talked to, I thank them because it's been fascinating hearing everybody's story. It really is great. Amen. Well, thank you again so much for being here and spending time with us today. Thank you. Check out her stories on AO3 and give her some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram and Twitter at fanficmaverick, and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling. Rolling.